0: Hello and welcome to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the key trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Ager. Thanks for joining us for episode number 163. So last week we got on the ground perspective of the lamb market and this week we're following that from a perspective a little further up the supply chain. Will Barton, who is CEO of Gundagai Meat Processes, is back with us again and is very generous with sharing his insight into the flow of lambs this season, what sort of impact the labour challenges are having on their operations, what the supply of lambs might look like for the rest of the season, and also a really interesting discussion around consumer demand for lamb. So this is an episode you won't want to skip. But before we get into it, a few quick highlights from the market this week. Now, I'm playing the broken record again for the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator, which is sitting at 1,147 cents per kilo carcass weight today, which is a 40 cent lift on last week and 43% higher than the same time last year. Cattle supply continues to tighten as we just see more and more rain hitting the eastern parts of the country, which is just pushing buyers to compete strongly for the available stock. The lamb market is also absorbing the peak period for lamb supply. So both lamb and sheep markets held their own this week and prices were slightly firmer across most categories. Lamb supply is tracking below last year's levels though due to the slow season, but we'll talk more about that and what it means going forward in today's episode, which I think we should get onto now. So enjoy the episode and I'll leave you with Robert Herman and Will Barton very shortly.
1: Today's sponsor of Commodity Conversations is Cleavers Organic Meats. All Cleavers products are sourced from Australian family-owned farms, where animals are raised in free-range environments, are grass-fed from start to finish, and meet the strict animal welfare requirements of the Australian Certified Organic Standard. They offer a wide range of delicious lamb, beef, and chicken products. Jump on their website to learn more at www.cleaversorganics.com.au. Thanks, Olivia. It, we're, we're very privileged at Mercado and Commodity Conversations to have Will Barton give us some time. And the reason we're privileged, Will, is because I think I said to you when we were talking earlier, this is the silly season for Lamb. So thanks very much for coming back on to Commodity Conversations. My
2: pleasure. Thanks for having
1: me. Now, the reason that it's uh, we're really excited about it, because last week we had Ron Rutledge and Ron talked about what's happening from the producer side. And we got a bit of a feeling for... You know, the lambs aren't quite right and and all that sort of stuff. But let's talk about it from the um, processor side. The the first thing I want to just cover off on, Will, is, you know, back early in the season, we were really concerned about processor capacity. And you outlined some of your concerns based on COVID and and not the labour force around and all that. What's really happened so far, though, this year?
2: Well, I think, unfortunately, those things that I was concerned about when I spoke to you last of all sort of, Uh, come to fruition in the sense that we we had a sort of a bit of an opening uh, in the last couple of months and people have been able to move around a bit freely and so we've we've had some workers that have been with us for a long time and perhaps not spent a lot of money or gone a lot of places that are starting to to move on that creates some opportunity for others who are leaving other locations to come back to us but the the net effect of it has been that we've been we've been working hard to maintain a workforce that we really need to be growing at this time of the year so I'm probably or well, we're probably as a business anywhere from 20 to 30 uh, full-time equivalent staff members short of where we'd like to be now and probably processing somewhere in the order of two to 3,000 sheep and lambs less than we would be otherwise if we could access, you know, appropriate labour. And that's not obviously something that's going to be new for any body that's been shoved back onto a under a head of this season or, yeah. or, you know, back behind the wheel of a truck cutting cutting grain that's a that's a dynamic that that stretches out across the industry there was a bit of hope i think that the ag visa might come through a bit earlier but that looks like it's still a little bit of a way away from mm. sort of fully organizing itself and so and and the pacific labor scheme has been something that supported us but the um i guess that free movement of people has really impacted our ability to, to staff our our plan it remains a, a kind of a key concern for us
1: one of the things we talked about was this supply of lambs and uh, it's been a really interesting uh, situation to watch and, um, and uh, like every year is interesting, but this is very interesting because the lambs just didn't do as well and we, we've, we sort of understand why that happened. Has that given you a little bit more um, breeding space perhaps and, uh, and does it give you a bit more optimism for lambs in, in the first half of next year? Well,
2: yes and no. I think that it, it, it may appear that it's given us more breathing space, but it, I guess what's happened is that because we haven't been looking for more lambs because we don't have quite the the labour and the the processing capacity that we might all otherwise have, it it hasn't really exacerbated the problem of slow met lambs to market. So if you think about us as a location in Gundagai, we've a lot of lambs are four to eight weeks behind where they would ordinarily be, and so that. That strong flush didn't really happen, you know, like it perhaps does in many other seasons, but it wasn't exacerbated because you buy by huge processing capacity because people couldn't scale up. So we perhaps didn't notice that gap as much as we might otherwise have. So we've sort of we've still had a fairly orderly flow of lambs through our, our business. I think perhaps if we were trying to process two or three thousand more a week, then we would have really seen that that challenge. Um, because I don't think that often the lambs were
1: there. Now, I know we'll talk a bit later about Gundagai Meat Supply Alliance, so you've got some good direct relationships, but in general, what's been happening with the weights? I mean, Angus, uh, this week, has just published an article, and, um, you know, the weights, uh, the September quarter saw a, a big fall on last year's weights, although when we had a look at it, it's not that much different from the previous year. So perhaps last year was uh, a big year or are we seeing this year, you know, that the lambs have just dropped away again?
2: I think this year's certainly been really challenging on on weight, cooler, wetter. Uh, I think probably what it leads me to sort of think through and start to sort of wonder how the next uh, six months will look, particularly in the sense that we've had um, probably slower, uh, less weight coming through in terms of the, the supply. And so are we going to have a very heavy fat end to yes. this season? Mm. And what's that going to mean for the markets that we're trying to supply? If we've had a first half that's been characterized by lower volume at lighter weights, and then all of a sudden we sort of come back strong through March, April, May, and we've started to get really heavy uh, and, and potentially quite fat lambs and, and in higher numbers because there are seemingly a lot around, um, and, I, and I think probably there's a couple of things I'd point to, the analysis that Olivia did a couple of weeks ago on on tracking lamb slaughter and, and, and the fact that we are behind in terms of kind of the average, in terms of slaughter sort of season to date, but then the, the other thing that I find really interesting about that, are the lambs going to be many heavy and fat, is yeah. the conversation you had with sort of Jason Trump? Yeah, uh, the other the other week that sort of suggested well the quality of feed you know might not be what we think it is. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays
1: out. I think over over the next sort of three to six months, it certainly will be interesting. And when you talk to backgrounders of lambs, the really professional backgrounders, the, the you know the high level guys, really like their lambs to be on good uh, rising planes weight when they buy them is to to take them onto their backgrounding role so there might be a lot of lambs that have just sort of battled and stalled and and you're right to ask so what will they look like and when will they come on board um if we keep getting seasons like this will farmers might hang on to them for a fairly long time yet
2: yeah and i mean i think one of the the innovative side of my brain that i often have trouble um turning off (laughs) It sort of says to me, well, you know, is there, is there a market for, you know, a, a product that, that perhaps needs to be held longer than a lamb that can somehow be developed to take advantage of these kind of uh, longer seasons, later kind of weight gains, et cetera. But, you know, having said all that, the, the the market might just become, or the lambs that are around might be, as I said earlier, many, they might be very heavy and very fat very quickly if the conditions sort of dictate that. So I think it's a really interesting space to watch.
1: So I'm, I'm talking to Will Barton from Gundagai Meats and uh, I, what I'm hearing here, Will, maybe we're going to see an aged product like the aged beef perhaps, although well, I'm not too sure that fatty meat will go that way. <laughs> now,
2: that, now that we have the ability to measure quality via intramuscular fat, I think it opens up lots of opportunities like that too to sort of stop using lamb as the only proxy for quality and start using some other measures. It's making, it's making that idea sound far more progressed than it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's not something we have any hard plans to do, but it, it's interesting.
1: But you are, are progressing. We've been talking to you for a little while and and, and you sort of initiated your supply alliances with with farmers and, and that gives some really strong feedback to those producers who can who can fit those um well meet those supply requirements how's that all going
2: look it's going exceptionally well we've had a really good response uh from from producers we don't we haven't needed to go to the sale yards i'd say you know since we sort of started this in april or may this calendar year so we've we've had uh, we've had most of our consignments you know 99.9 percent would have been over the hooks and the app that we're using is is really comprehensive it's it's a learning journey for us, so we're, we're, we're looking forward to the sort of post-COVID days where we can start to get larger groups of people to the plant to really unpack with them the benefit of the feedback, how it might be evolved, how we might connect it to the on-farm and and, and how we might be able to connect them better to consumers via and, and that kind of feedback. So that's all very exciting for us, but the response has been generally very positive from the people that are supplying us and and they're excited about the animal health, they're excited about the... Mm. The IMF, some have got good surprises, some have got bad surprises, and, yeah. and that's sort of all been part of the journey, I suppose.
1: So I can imagine them being excited. How, have, how has this season, and we just talked about the difficulties of producing lamb, how has the difficulty of producing lamb this season impacted on farmers who are committing to not just sell a lamb, they're committing to meet, you know, a spec?
2: Uh, we haven't had any specific challenges around not being able to procure lambs at the right Spec So that that hasn't been something that's been on our radar, and I think that's perhaps in large part given uh, the fact that we've had more lambs generally this season than we've had for a little while. And so whilst we might be processing the same number as we did last season, wanting to process more, but processing the same number instead of searching for you know 15 or 20 percent of a of a producer's well let me put it this way if you've got a farmer who's typically turning off 2,000 lambs and the, the lead is a thousand of them say that they're trying to get away before Christmas this year that they might have actually dropped 2,400 lambs and so the lead's still a thousand but it should really have been you know 1,200 yeah. or something like that so there's this dynamic that says more lambs, less of them as a proportion that are at weight, but still about the same number in our little environment, certainly, uh, and at our sort of small scale as a as a startup in in the lamb brand space.
1: Well, it's really um, I'm really pleased to hear that you you are getting plenty of supply via this model because um, you know I, we we're great supporters of these types of things, and I guess if there are producers out there who want to get in touch, just get your agent to reach out and. Um, and they'll um, they'll soon get the information. I'm speaking to Will Barton from Gundagai Meats, and the other thing that I've, I've got one final question here, Will, and uh, we're not going to get you to do an advert for Gundagai again. That was that that went really well last time, and we, although maybe we need to if we're going to get more workers coming up there, but um, <laughs> I want I want to ask you about the demand for lamb because we know that our lamb producers are in a really good spot at the moment in terms of markets. If you look at it over the long term, over history, these are terrific returns for producers. How are the, the flip to that is, how are the customers, uh, the people you're supplying, you know, are they able to, you know, make a business at these sort of levels?
2: Look, I think that remains a challenge. I think that there's there's a few ways to answer it. Certainly the consumers of lamb, you know, say in the restaurant trade in in the US, for example, there's a, we're sort of experiencing a dynamic at the moment where people are sort of coming out of long periods of lockdowns and and restricted movement around restaurant trade. And so there's a, there's a pleasing trend of people spending sort of discretionary income or or discretionary spending in the restaurant trade in places like the States. And and we're hearing from the people that we supply that maybe one in 100 meat dishes in a restaurant (laughs) were lamb, were lamb sort of, two years ago and perhaps now they're more like five so there's certainly a growth in in lamb lamb's presence in those markets so that's that's really pleasing to see to see that trend it's not yet kind of really clear whether that's just a a temporary thing as everyone comes out of their shell and is adventurous and you know spends money on on those products and i think it's a challenge particularly because lamb's really carved itself out of space as something that's that's at a in a discretionary category it's sort of not really an everyday uh category no. any anymore in that sense i think the other thing though on the on the supply side is that or on the producer side and the, and the price that we're able to pay for livestock and and is that we're balancing as a as a meat processor so many dynamics so we've experienced a strong increase in the value of uh mixed ovine material or sort of basically all the all the odds and ends if you like yep um and and that's being driven by um biofuel demand in the states which is drawing the tallow price up considerably um i think there's a stat that says that us pet ownership went up by something like 30% over the last 18 months and so that's driving pet food price increases and so i think that um, what's pleasing at the moment is that y- yes, you've got a bit of a you've got sort of strength in the in our in our meat sell price to those global markets, but you've also got good strong support for underlying sort of what would have been considered previously as the rats and mice in a in a sort of a very minor sense have grown in prominence in terms of the importance of those items to us to balance that carcass and make sure that we're generating the maximum revenue. And you know it's often the case that one's up and one's down, and so. And so we've just, we're starting to experience a little bit of a, a strength in those other underlying factors that probably help put a bit of a floor into the job from a producer point of view. So, you know, I think that whether the price level can be sustained from a consumer point of view for, in a restaurant is probably a, a challenge for the people marketing it and a challenge for the people sort of justifying that the, the premium tag that Australian lamb gets is, is justifiable on a long-term basis. But it's certainly pleasing to see some of those other factors putting support into the job, you know, that aren't necessarily the red meat that we're all, you know, primarily focused yeah. on.
1: Well, um, I know Dave Myers, here at Mercado. would be pleased to hear you say that there's a big demand for tallow because he tells me last week he's fielded two calls at Mercado with people wanting to buy tallow. And, uh, you know, that's, that just tells you that things are a bit crazy. I just want to finish off. Uh, Andrew Woods did some analysis for us this week. And looked at the, the sheep turnoff, and we know that you know at a certain level, sheep turn off above twelve percent of the sheep flock, and the flocks in decline um, below twelve percent, and it's um, and it's it's increasing, it's growing. We've now been at quite a long period where it's been down around eight percent. So even though you're um, you're saying, well, we've got plenty of lambs now, and uh, hopefully you can ramp up your production. Uh, with more people coming to Gundagai and and getting on the end of the uh, boning knife, it looks like our flock's growing. Is that the sort of messages that you're hearing? Oh,
2: certainly, and I and I think that, that part of that's seen in the in the strength in you know prices we're seeing across the price is another just another factor in the in the price pressure on on lamb with the high retention of of ewe lambs, and perhaps you know given that pricing structure, the decision to to go to slaughter versus to go to you know somebody else is is a pretty is a pretty simple one at the moment, and that is really so exciting for us in the long yeah. term because it's just been such a long period of decline, and it's nice to see that there is a there is a market dynamic and a point at time in which the pricing signals can all be right, yeah. uh, seasons can kind of allow yeah. it, and we can sort of enter this phase of, of rebuild because you know, if you look at some other parts of the world and, and I know I've spoken a bit about the US, but there are now more sheep and lambs in the Riverina than there are in the whole of the United States. So <laughs>
1: um,
2: they, they clearly didn't have this moment in time where they, where they rebuilt. So, um, you know, after a long period of decline, it's really exciting to see that happening. It's certainly, certainly, we're witnessing it locally, I guess, in terms of the, the stocking capacities and the, and the restocking activity of, of breeding units on farms around here for sure.
1: Well, everybody who listens to uh, a processor talk about the business is just in awe about how the hell you get it all done because it's a challenge where everyone knows that. Hopefully this year, Will, you can, um, you know, things can get through um, one way or another. And then by next year, labour is not such a big issue and, um, and and it can cope with this increasing flock because that that is going to be the key to the success of, um, you know, the sheep industry going forward. And... Um, if someone wanted to uh, you know, take on the, the their career in, in a in a boning room or in a um or in an abattoir's uh, Will, I'm sure that you're not hard to find. You've got a no. you've got a you gotta you got some sort of incentive for uh, you know, some young guy or girl who's out there listening to this and saying, gee, that like that Will looks like he's got a good business. How do I get involved in that? <laughs> oh
2: look, certainly we do. Um we're advertising in New Zealand, we're advertising across Australia, where We've we've certainly got incentives uh, for people that, that come on board and, and join us. We're we're on Facebook's probably one of the best places to see what the latest sort of requirements are. But all the way, you know, like for unskilled workers, uh, it's very easy to come into the business. And if you've got a bit of aptitude, very quickly find yourself in, into one of those skilled roles. And we we train, and as does everybody in industry. We've got the meat industry in Australia has an, an incredibly um, proficient, well-structured training program for mm. certificates on the job and that sort of thing. So um, I think the, the sky's the limit in that sense. If you if you want work, um, we've got it and we've got a, a you know a beautiful plant and, and, a, and a friendly atmosphere and, and we're ready to take anyone on that's willing to have a go at it, Rob.
1: And and Gundunga is a wonderful place. I need to disclose here that uh, when I left school, Will, and went back on the farm, I actually went and worked at the Abattoirs at Hamilton. I can still use a not a slaughter knife in the left hand, in both hands. So, it's, so you, they are skills that you pick up, and uh, and, <laughs> and and like Dad used to say, that knowing those things is no burden to carry. Well, it's been fantastic the time you've given us, and I know we spoke over the last couple of days. You, you know, it's a really busy time. The information you're giving us is is, is much appreciated and valued. Thanks very much. All the best, and um, I think uh, I think with the pump up you gave Olivia. And Dave, they'll be keen to come up and visit you at Gundigo at some stage and uh, perhaps you can give a bit of a tour of uh, how to, you know, process an animal.
2: They'd be most welcome. Thanks, Robert.
1: Thanks, Will.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Commodity Conversations. Please remember to share the podcast with your network and leave us a review or rating on your podcast platform of choice. Until next week, take care.